Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you are joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, how, how are we How are we feeling today? We are a week and change into 2021. That's how, how are we doing? And things have gotten more chaotic. Um, <laughs> it just continues. Um, I mean, if everyone's watching the news, I mean, I'm sure we're all inundated with it. I don't want to bring everybody down. Um, but yeah, it, things are continually, continuing to be as heavy as they are. On a more positive note, I have two really amazing gifts that came out of 2020. One is these little earmuffs listeners i'm showing everybody on the <laughs> i'm showing everybody on zoom right now Ooh. but like these are the best also tony dungy made this absolutely fantastic year long um devotional that nicholas gave me so one he's becoming an incredibly thoughtful young man um, and two yeah and he he picked out himself he purchased it himself with his own money like i i love nicholas for it shout out to him um but like this has been one of the most fantastic devotionals that I've ever read. Um, it's powerful and I'm discerning a few things right now with my vocation and it's like been super clear and very mm. helpful, super convicting. Yeah. Praise God for Tony Dungy's testimony. I didn't, I knew he was a, a Christian. I didn't realize he was putting out devotionals. That's the you, yeah, Tony. Yeah. He's got like three books. He's about it. He's about so, it. Super Bowl champion, Tony <laughs> Dungy. I see you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how you doing, Charles? Oh, you know. <laughs> it's been a rough week. Uh, just yeah. trying to navigate my emotions. But we had a domestic terrorist attack in the Capitol. Um, and there's a lot to say about that. But we don't have the time. And this is not the place. Yeah. But yeah, so we're, yeah, we're, we're coming into this uh, heavy, but pray before we started this pray that the lord would use where we're at in our own processing and dealing with the macro scale of what's happening in the world and the country but also just personal uh stuff that we're carrying over from 2020 so yeah we're excited to be back though like got a down note to, to start on but we're very very excited to be back and very very excited to begin this new season titled yes. what the parable which we're, we're going to get into very, very shortly, but we're going to start with our question of the week segment. If you'd ever like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment, you can email us at three guys at the well. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. But we've got the this question today in from Instagram um, for our friend Felix, who, again, cutting right to the point, uh, Felix is, which is not surprising. <laughs> he asks, why do you think... Um, Christians are agreeing less about what the Bible says. Um, so yeah, just vague enough to again be an episode in its entirety. But um, I think very simply, there's a lot of it. But very simply, the simplest answer I can come up with is that a lot of Christians aren't reading the Bible. Yep. <laughs> um, and that's its own thing. But also, I think aren't reading it with an intention of learning about God's heart. There's a lot of reading the Bible, I think, in the church today to win arguments. Yes. And that not only is an improper way to use scripture, but it also removes the person of God from reading scripture. And when you're reading something just to say, well, look at this one verse here out of context, that makes my point. You miss the character 
of the person who wrote it and you miss the character of God himself. And so I think either not reading at all or reading for disingenuous means is why there's a lot of, a lot more arguing over things that at times aren't actually that complicated. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. That's, that's spot on. I think uh, that a lot of times people uh, read scripture and will read like bits and pieces of passages to affirm their own introspection or like this, this concurs with my thoughts or like my interpretation of this verse uh, adds to my own thoughts. And therefore I'm right in the, in how I'm living or how I'm seeing this. Uh, but I think it's also a lot of like people rely on external sources a lot and too often to explain the Bible. Like people will rather think of the Bible as like, it's this antiquated rule book, which it's not, um, to then, because they have that assumption on it, and because a lot of Christians, quite frankly, have taken on the perspective of the world regarding God's word, they'll then lean into the world and say, oh, we have, I, these are common gripes about, about scripture, um, therefore, I have these thoughts about scripture, like, I was, what was it, the other day, I was watching this YouTube video of this, uh, one of these YouTube Christian personalities, and he was just sort of like rolling his eyes at and refuting a lot of like very common gripes with scripture. And one of them was like, uh, why do churches like tithing if money is the root of evil? And I was like, well, first, and his point was, well, first of all, First Timothy 6.10 says that love of money is the root of all evil. Money itself is not the issue. It's people's affections and inclinations towards it. It's people's reliance on it. And so like, the fact that 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 thing that like that was stated that that misconception of scripture was stated so confidently is like oh well uh, I guess churches are evil. It's like well no no <laughs> they're not. And you one you're misquoting the verse. Um, so you need to read First Timothy. Uh, and, and secondly, I think people need to approach scripture with like doubting their own knowledge. Like you should be confident in saying I don't know when you open scripture and be be confident in saying like, I don't trust my own doubts. So I'm going to lean into the uh, truth, the beauty and the challenge of reading God's word and speak to people and not just rely on my own interpretation. Sorry, Charles, I took up a lot of time yapping. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I concur with both of you guys. I think that's spot on. And the only thing I would add is I think a lot of people um, read scripture out of context. Um, scripture is, uh, the word of God is challenging and, um, not just because it challenges our, uh, the way we think and our doubts and all those things, but it's actually challenging because it is a centuries old, millennial doc, well, centuries old document. Um, and I think it's a lot of people, um, read it with a modern mind and modern understanding. And it's important to understand the context in which is written, what the author was intending, the original language, the original meaning. Um, and also the literary style in which each book is written, because I think it's very, um, at least I did not know until recently that there are different literary styles, much like in modern culture, we have uh, different styles of writing. Well, the Bible was also written in different styles and you, it's important to understand the style in which it's being written to understand how to interpret it and what the Lord is saying um, through it. If it's, uh, there's a difference between a historical uh, a historical portrayal of what happened 
and an, a hyperbolic flowery language that is symbolic of some kind of greater truth. Um, so I think context and and understanding like the, the some of the finer nitty gritty of like what actually how is this actually written is really important and uh, something that not a lot of people, including myself, until recently, um, didn't understand or didn't know. Absolutely, I. And it's, it's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, not because of like, to both of your points, I got the notion, the, the word of like humility came to mind of like, there's a humility we have to have when we approach scripture of not trying to make something out of it that it isn't. Um, and that requires, yeah, accepting there are things we don't know. There's understandings that we don't have. Um, and so, yeah, that's part of the reason why we do what we do, not because we are biblical scholars by any means, um, but because we're three guys who even in the uh, stuff we we're going to cover today and, and every season, there's stuff where it's like, I actually don't know what to make of this. So I'm just going to talk about it uh, with friends and look into resources that can kind of speak to it. Like there's an, a vigilance and an intention to studying the word of God that I think, uh, unfortunately, sometimes is lost in the church. And it's something that we try to, in our own lives, model and through this podcast, try to model. So thank you for for journeying with us as we all learn from the word of God and, and from each other. That's, that's a perfect segue into this very season. Welcome to season four of At The Well, What The Parable. So What The Parable is a season all about parables. It's a way that Jesus uh, teaches consistently throughout the Bible. And we're going to take time for the next, I think, about two months to look at a specific parable that Jesus um, spoke in. I meant to Google the definition of parable before I began this spiel and did not. So this right now is me stalling until a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Bible. That is a definition we came up with all on our own, but that is what we're going to be examining for the next couple of months. Jesus speaking in parables to the disciples, which he does a lot of in the Bible, more so than I even realized before I looked at like a, a an extensive list that um, Eli you put into our, our planning uh, document. So that's what parables are. We're going to actually for this episode is going to be a bit of a two parter because we want to start with um, Jesus's his own explanation in his own words in Matthew 13 for why he teaches in parables. So we're going to kind of break that down, talk about what that tells us and what we can learn from it. And then we're going to get into our first one of the season, the parable of the sower. So this kind of uh, preamble for uh, this work on parables, again, is in Matthew 13, verses 10 through 17. This is Jesus speaking in his own explanation for why he teaches in this way. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to him in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear, and, and shall not understand. And seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear. All right, so it's Jesus in his own words talking about why he speaks in parables. So kind of to set a tone and a foundation for this season, which is all about that. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this and take into our own studies of scripture? One of the first things I found really interesting in reading this is it isn't until like fairly, fairly into his ministry that he even starts speaking in this pretty confounding way. In this explanation of parables, it's it's to affirm that God has given people faith to then approach him and understand it. Like you can't lean into your own intellect. You can't lean into the fact that you're, you can't give credit to your own intellect or to your own thought processes or to how you think specifically for the reason you have faith in God. Like you don't get to boast about that. Like faith is very much so a gift. And so in teaching in a way that might be um, a little confusing or might be a little confounding or might uh, force people to think more critically, for believers to come from parables or to learn from parables, that's a sign that God has given that individual a very specific gift. I hope that made sense. Yeah, no, I, I think it does. I think it it dovetails really well with like the question that we started with of like why are like uh, not necessarily disagreements, but just like lack of understanding of the Bible. And there's again, there's something in there about humility and Jesus kind of drawing a line of like. This isn't about you being uh, smart enough to get to me. It's about you humbling yourself to like be taught and to kind of dig into something beyond just what it is at face value, beyond just saying, well, this guy now is just talking about the uh, dude sowing seeds for some reason. It's to kind of get past that surface level of, oh, this is different. This is something that I'm not unsure of and kind of an encouragement to dig deeper into who Jesus is. And so, yeah, again, kind of what we began with, it's this humility piece of recognizing that, like, it's like Jesus says, I've given you, what does it say? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, like to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's like something Jesus wants to give to us, but it's not something that um, just kind of happens. And it's not something that is done by like human um, greatness in any way. It's putting ourselves in a place to be taught and to like dig into something uh, with intention, uh, so that he could reveal those things to us. I think, yeah, I, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just kind of reiterating your point, Eli, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think the only other thing I add with in this specific passage is when Jesus quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah. He, I believe, the prophet Isaiah and and Christ is talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who who have closed their ears and their eyes. Um, and we're talking about this humility. Uh, these these men did not have that. They had literally dumbed their intellect um, and thought that they were above reproach, um, such that they were not open to seeing how the prophecies and the scripture that they had memorized and were teaching the people were being fulfilled in front of their eyes. And I think Christ is saying, like, this is my way of uh of hey i'm 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 trying to teach but these these this set of people aren't going to listen but those who who are open who are humble will will understand and will see um through what through the way that i'm preaching uh, in this particular manner it's one of those things that like 
I love that point about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we talked about it in candid conversations, I think, of this idea that these teachers of the law who knew the word of God better than anyone else were Jesus's harshest um, opposition and the people who most wanted to see him and his ministry undone. And like Jesus quoting Isaiah here and giving his reason for parables here, like really spells that out of like he talked about having dull hearts and hearing and not um, hearing, but not understanding, seeing, but not perceiving. Um, and kind of the choice that was made, not because they didn't have the word of God. Again, they knew it better than any of the people that Jesus reached probably, but because they chose to see what they wanted to see in it. And they chose to see the things that elevated them above the people, but not the things that called them to be humble and the things that allowed them to point out sins, but not the things that called them to be introspective of their own sins. Um, and yeah, it kind of informs Jesus' teaching of kind of this like sifting of people who are going to hear what they want to hear and people who are not. Um, and yeah, I think there's something very, very convicting in that. You had something you were going to say, Eli? Uh, yeah, I'm happy that you actually spoke first because that clarifies the point I'm about to make. Um, because it starts with Jesus saying, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. And so, and, and so sometimes in misreading the language, because I had to read through it a couple of times, um, it makes it seem as though God is withholding something that everybody wants. But as both of you has ver have very clearly articulated, it's not because they wanted Jesus to be right. It's not because they um, wanted to be, uh, they wanted it to be revealed to them what, like what Jesus was about and who he was and what he was fulfilling, which was the law and the prophets what was like the knowledge of the uh, of the secrets of sorry the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven were given to the ones who were willing to learn from christ and exhibit that humility um and so i just i wanted to leave that as a clarifying note because sometimes that language can make it seem as though god is keeping things from people in an unfair way but that's actually not the case that's a really important clarification and i like added similar thought when i first read through this and was like huh and then after like kind of thinking and praying through it and seeing you know, the context of who Jesus is speaking to here is like, okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, yeah, so this, it really encapsulates what our goal with this season is. And like we said, the goal of this podcast is we don't want to be people who have dull ears um, or dull hearts rather, and are not perceiving who Jesus shows himself to be in scripture and not perceiving the character of God from scripture because we're looking for other things. We don't want to be people who are looking for confirmation bias from scripture. And so we're going to yeah, take the time to get into these parables and see what it is we can learn um, and how it is we can learn more about the heart of God from this. So this is this explanation of Jesus is right in the middle of our first parable of the season, the parable of the sower. It is in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 to 23. Uh, if you have your Bible and are not driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. In a marathon preaching session by the sea, Jesus provided his followers with an explanation of one of his go-to teaching strategies, parables. In particular, he took the time to elaborate on a story about seeds and a sower in an excellent commentary on the word of God, hard hearts, dull ears, pressures of the world, and a crop that bears fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold. He who has ears, let him hear. 
On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got out, got out into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground, he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus kind of spells it out there for us, but gentlemen, how or what can we learn from the parable of the sower? So, first of all, I love the illustrations that Jesus gives with like the three scenarios of landing on in a bad condition, right? So you've got this one where um, you've got these birds that snatch up the good seed, you have it lands on stone, immediately sprouts up and then withers away, and then you also have it lands among the thorns. And what what that shows me is that one, there are so many ways that your faith can be challenged and trampled on. Like it, like God is God is busy. He's he is sowing seeds. He is working, but the world we live in is challenging. Um, but I think the one relief I have in that is that these scenarios um, are not a one-time thing. Like God is always trying to plant this good seed in us. And it's not just like a one-time, oh, you missed out. Therefore you're done with your, you're done with your faith walk. You can never be. No, it's like, oh, well, I, I grew up in the church and, and it didn't work. So I'm done now. Psych. No, no, no. God is constantly working to bring people to repentance, which brings us closer to him. I don't know. One thing I find relieving is that like, I, I see myself in this situation, in all three of these, um, or in all four of these. I see sometimes messages from the gospel, like landing on good soil in me. But I also see other scenarios, particularly the seed falling among the thorns, um, where like earthly concerns and financial concerns snatch away a good message. Yeah, I think I, I also recognized how at various points in my life, and probably for the rest of my life, I will be the seed on the various parts of the soil. Uh, and my, my, my spiritual life, I, I kind of interpret this as uh, the soil is my spiritual life. Um, and my spiritual life at times has been on the path, uh, in the thorns, uh, no roots, you know? And um, even this week, I, just, I got a word this morning in my prayer, um, John uh, 14, 27, 
This is Jesus speaking, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not, do not let them be afraid. That was a really hard word to hear. Um, and I'm struggling. I feel like there are some thorns going on in my life right now and what's happening in our world today, in our country today, that are trying to choke out that word. And so like, even right now, this passage is like, okay, right now there are some thorns and maybe even some rocks that are in the way of, of me receiving the word of God for something that I really feel like he, he, he spoke to me this morning, but I, it, it's a struggle. So I was, I was actually just taken aback by like, I think we can find ourselves at different points of our life um, in the different types of soil. Um, and that's something that I, I hadn't really thought through um, before preparing for our, our episode here. Amen. No, I'm so glad you you said that because yeah, I was I was kind of all over the place with stuff I had and like thought about this passage and none of what I'm about to say is what I had prepared for it. Um, but yeah, no, I resonate very much with you, Charles. Of kind of I used to, and my initial thought for this passage was like, well, what is my initial question was like, well, what does it mean uh, to kind of cultivate good soil? Like, what does it mean as disciples personally and for other disciples to cultivate, cultivate an environment that, that like allows for good soil? Um, and we'll probably get to that. But yeah, just in your sharing, I was like, oh, I, I think I'm just there's yeah, there's a lot of thorns in life right now. Um, there's a lot of things that are kind of choking out like my own spiritual life. So like I, I think I shared this on the end of your podcast, but um, when I feel overwhelmed, I struggle to pray because I struggle to sit still. And I've kind of been in this kind of uh, back and forth of trying to like sit still and like give over my concerns to the Lord. But I really, I, I find it really hard to do that sometimes when I'm like overwhelmed with either personal things or the state of the world. And for the last couple of months, it's been both. Um, and so finding myself in this place where like, oh, I'd love to talk about what the good soil looks like, but that that's not really where I'm at. Um, and it's important to acknowledge that because like, as you both said, like, this isn't a, I love that point, Eli, this isn't like a one-time dispersal of seed. You know, this isn't Jesus just kind of passing through whatever grows, grows, whatever doesn't, doesn't like he is so faithful in his continual meeting us where we are. Like, as we were talking, it drew me to, um, this verse from Psalm 103, uh, where it says, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him or has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like the grass. As a flower of the field, he flourishes, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and his place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And there's so much in this passage where in resonating with, I feel like I'm just, I'm in the thorns right now. God kind of saying, but that's okay. Like, I see you in the thorns. I see you on the rocks. I see you in the seed that's kind of cast by the wayside. Like, I see your weakness. I see the ways um, that maybe things aren't falling where they need to right now. And you're not receiving uh, me in the best of places right now. Like, as you guys were elaborating, I don't know, I just felt seen here because Jesus doesn't bring up all these examples and then vilify the bad examples. Like he doesn't say, um, he doesn't say like, well, there's people who like the thorns choke them out or it doesn't take up root. And that's bad. Like that's terrible. And those people are wrong. He just says, 
this is, it's just Jesus saying, this is where people find themselves at different points in their life, at different points in their walk. This is where people find themselves when it comes to receiving the word of God, receiving him like Jesus himself and just says, yeah, this is it. Um, but because we know who he is, because we know about his sovereignty, we have the, the confidence that he sees us there, meets us there and continues, continues to meet us there, continues to pass out seed and deal with the plot of land of like our hearts that I'm probably taking the metaphor too far, but dealing with all of that in a way that is helpful. So yeah, thank you guys for, for saying that I, I needed to hear that. <laughs> I'm actually giving a talk on this parable tomorrow. Uh, so I've been, <laughs> I've been studying this passage a little bit and that, that came out of my, my study in preparation for this talk. Um, and to your point, Terrell, about the good soil, um, one of the other things that, that struck me about this, this parable, particularly the last couple of verses about the good soil, um, uh, the Lord impressed upon me a question. And, and, that's, and that is, what is your good soil? It's, I was kind of struck with the idea of that I think it's important. We read this parable and go like, wow, okay, the word of God falls in good soil and yield 60, 30, and 100 fold. I think especially in these seasons where there are rocks or there's shallow ground or there's thorns or the evil one, as depicted in birds in this parable, is plucking away the word of God from our lives. I think it's important to go to, to recognize and identify the good soil in our lives. Where, what are the places and who are the people where our soil, our spiritual life is fertilized, is watered, is shaded, is weeded? And as I thought about it, like for me personally, it's uh, you guys um, and the other guys that are in my men's group where we share transparently and honestly. It's, my, it's Chelsea, who's my support and my rock. It's our local community that we participate in, uh, where we worship and try to live out Christian life together. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ as fed in my personal prayer time. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot more, but I think like when we're in these seasons where our soil, our spiritual life is, is not where it should be, um, it's important to recognize where can I go to find that good soil? to be enriched and sheltered um, and, and recognizing that I'm in this season and I need uh, fertilization. I need watering. I need shade. I need what, you know, whatever it is. And like, who are the people and what are the places where that's going to happen so that um, I don't continue to be stuck on the path where the evil one can take away, where the thorns aren't choking out the word of God, where rocks aren't blocking the word of God in my life. Um, so that was just something I, I uh, was reflecting on in terms specifically about the good soil part of this, of this parable. Yeah, I'm, that, thank you for segueing into that, into like the good soil portion of the conversation, Charles, you spoke really, really, really well about that. Thank you. Um, and just like on the, the subject of like, what does fertilized soil look like? And just like hearing your sharing about that, I think a lot of, so like we know that it's good soil, the evidence of good soil is by the fact that it's yielded a crop, right? That's the illustration of it, um, is by what's produced there. And I think ultimately like, well, how do you get it to good soil? So many of the things that you mentioned, Charles, 
are because you've submitted them to God. You have a healthy marriage because you you and Chelsea submit your marriage to God and take your cues from scripture. Like our men's group is is a place where you find the where you find like fruit born from it because we as a collective of of men and brothers and sisters have like submitted ourselves to God and we've we're like okay we're about this we are going to be covenanted to one another like our our community of Christians like is trying its darndest to work in the midst of COVID because we are submitted submitted to God and I think the areas where we don't see where one of the ways in which we don't see fruit uh, produced is sometimes when we when we think oh I can handle this, God. I have this. And I think maybe this transitions in, into more of like my own personal testimony of like, okay, where do I not see fruit being born in my life? Like, why do I still feel feel unsettled? Um, and like I was, I spoke earlier briefly about like my, just me discerning vocation through this Tony Dungy book. And like, I think that's one way in which I, I think I've really been struggling with the idea of submitting my vocation to God for a long time. I think I've, I think I've, and long since not because I'm chasing money, but because I didn't want to be a quitter. Like I did architecture for so many years, was dissatisfied. And because I was so like caught up in this idea of once you start something, even if you don't necessarily like it, grit your way through it. It's like, that may not be what God's calling me to at all. Not to say that grit is not an important skill to carry in life and to have, and like this ability to persevere and endure. But like, if you're not producing any fruit in an area, that's a call to reassess like are you putting rocks in the way of god plant seed plant seed down like are you <laughs> you know what i'm saying like are you the one who's allowing ground to not be fertilized you're allowing thorns to grow you're to stick with the illustration so on and so forth but like i've had to get out of my own way and let the gardener actually tend um in that sense and yeah it's it, it's been interesting. It's added to my prayer times, but yeah, yeah. What do you all think about just like that getting out of your own way and like letting God be God? Woo, you better, you better preach. <laughs> <laughs> like let, let the gardener tend the crop. Woo. Right. That, that's going on a t-shirt. That is going on a t-shirt one day. It's going oh, on I'm a t-shirt. T- <laughs> Shill the merch. Shill the, the merch does not exist yet. <laughs> Shill the forthcoming merch. Woo! <laughs> uh, but no, I I love that. I ain't even thought about that. Um, and you, Eli, we both are in a similar place with like work right now and vocation. So part of this is me just like, huh, like processing things that I should probably take to prayer after this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, this idea of is God pr- trying to produce like good soil. It like and he is is he like it, as active as he is in our lives is he producing good soil that i'm like putting rocks in front of that i'm like deciding for him like where i'm at i think for me like i'm de- i think i'm definitely at a season where i'm kind of like god wants to tend to me but i'm not like I, I'm, I'm not unwilling but i'm just not ready and god's like but we need to deal with some things and i know that process is is gonna be a lot and i know that that's an intensive thing like i used to work in like landscaping in college where i would like weed lawns and like would have to go through a lot to like get the weeds at their root it was like intensive stuff so i know at least personally that's where i need to go and where the 
the gardener that is Jesus is trying to be like, we need to deal with these rocks, dude. Like we need to deal with these weeds. We need to deal with these thorns. But I'm like, but I know it's going to hurt and I know it's going to be costly. And I, I don't think I'm ready for it. And I think like sometimes in our own like unwillingness for the gardener to tend to us, we can sometimes wallow in what is poor soil. Um, but we have the faithfulness and like the good news that Jesus is consistent to tend to us there. And we can trust him with the thorns and the weeds and the rocks. Eli, Eli preaching to me today, Pre- preaching right to me today. I hope y'all got something out of this because I definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I can support you in that, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a good place to end it. Thank you, brothers, for that. That was good. I hope we all. We're able to, not just me, we're able to uh, process some things there. Um, and I hope that for, for those of you that are listening uh, and are joining us at the beginning of our fourth season, that uh, this podcast has been a place where you find good soil and where you feel nourished and fed and encouraged in your walk with the Lord. But that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to have a, head over to patreon.com slash at the well for exciting new bonus content like our forthcoming series on hope, which I think is currently running on our Patreon, projecting a month into the future. But you go over there and check that out. Help the podcast grow. We would really appreciate it. That is all for this week. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well.